So across my, um, I'd like to say rock and roll life, but a bumpy, interesting life. There are many things I've had to apologise for, but rarely my voice. If this sounds like a hacksaw being dragged across wood, or some such similar, then I apologise. It's It's been a week from Madrid City at the Bernabeu to Aberdeen for the 40th anniversary celebration. Oh, what? You didn't know that we were celebrating 40 years since Aberdeen beat Roma in the Cup Winners' Cup final in 1983. Eric Black and John Hewitt, by the way. But yes, everybody except for uh, the late, great Tati Cooper, Sir Alex Ferguson, who couldn't make it, and the late, great Teddy Scott, came to Aberdeen to celebrate um, the first of the two stars, two UEFA stars that Aberdeen won. That was uh, raucous. It was fun. It involved some of the greatest stories I've ever heard about a football team in terms of hilarity. I thought I knew all the, the stories and the anecdotes and how wrong I was. Absolutely hilarious to see Gordon Strach and Dirty Dingus McGee, Willie Miller, Big Alec McLeish, Johnny Hewitt on stage, led by the, the master legend of them all, Johnny McMaster. I like being a legend. After which, it was fantastic to be at a full Pataudry for Aberdeen 0-0 Hibs. Um, Hibs outplayed Aberdeen that day. I can't deny that. Hello to the CCS, um, that's the Hibs casuals. Um, a couple of hundred of whom and I were uh, locked on a train from Dundee to Edinburgh. That was interesting. Hello to the CCS uh, lads who actually in the end treated me with... Uh, a good deal of uh, respect and friendship. Yeah, that was uh, that was a surprise, neighbour. All right, Gadji. And, um, yeah, there'll be a translation guide available at the end of this uh, podcast. And then it was 12 or 13 hours in the television studio in Barcelona, followed by a 4am get-up, 6am flight from uh, Edinburgh to Scotland, 12 or 13 hours in the studio, then a 5am get-up and a 6.30 flight from Spain to Germany, where you find me now. Last night was a fabulous Weller gig at Huxley's in in Berlin. Just a sensational set. I think he played 28 or 29 tunes. The mix was exactly as I like it. And I was in the company of the the mighty, the masterful Raza Hussein, King's Council. A wonderful man and who knows every Weller song inside out. Great friend to have. And this morning, as I read this, we're about to set sail for Hamburg, where the Great Freedom gig will take place tonight, after which it's back for the City Real Madrid second leg. It's a life, isn't it? So I think that pretty much explains why I sound like I do. And let me assure you, had I been recording this yesterday or a couple of days ago, you wouldn't have been able to make out a word. It was just like a low-level buzz. Anyway, here we are. During all that time, Barcelona, Julie, won the league. It was inevitable that it was coming very soon because the points gap, because of the momentum of Football Club Barcelona. It happened that Espanyol, they played very well for the first half, didn't play well second half, could easily have lost two or three goals, missed a few chances of their own. It was the perfect match to sum up this season whereby... There were bursts of really, you could hear the click. 
as movement and service and ideas all meshed beautifully. Luis Garcia, the Espanol coach, really showed himself up as not understanding strategy and tactics when it comes to facing Real Madrid. He may prove to be a good coach. He may prove to be a good manager. But he absolutely wet the bed on Sunday. The idea of not pressing Busquets and De Jong in particular, or Araujo if you look at his ball to Balde for one of the early goals. The idea of letting the playmakers play and not closing them down was infantile. Just absolutely ridiculous. And when his side cut loose in the second half, they showed that they could easily have taken a draw away from what became a mauling. Barcelona celebrated in the pitch. They just overdid it. Not by much, but they did overdo it. The, the furore about what actually happened at Espanol has a little bit overcooked. Some idiots ran on the pitch and the players had to scarper. On the night itself, there was no justification for thugs running on the pitch. But the players probably let their, their joy loose. I don't think in any way they were deliberately taunting or being disrespectful to Espanol. There was only, what, how many... How many Catalans were there? There were two Catalans in the team. The rest of them, in one way or another, imports. So it was just a group of men celebrating winning the title and they did it on their enemy's pitch a little bit too long. But no actual harm was done. So the incident itself has been a little bit blown out of proportion. It wasn't that horrific. Where the problem comes is that when this begins to happen, when other clubs see pitch invasions, when you get genuinely dangerous idiots running onto a pitch, player and referee, ball boy, television personnel on the touchlines, all those people then become a great threat. So the, the repercussions need to be dealt with severely because if this becomes a trend uh, where violence and pitch invasions in football is, is more, are more common, then we have a serious problem. Post-match, I thought, given that the match was itself was was fascinating and a microcosm of Barcelona season, my ear was drawn to their manager and what he said. And that's why I wrote this for ESPN FC. You should go and use ESPN or ESPN FC, read about their really very high-level football coverage, and I, I gratefully thank them for allowing me to read this column to you. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. By far the most interesting answer Chavi gave in the news conference after Barcelona won La Liga on Sunday was about how he felt now compared to 1999 when he won his first La Liga title as a then 19-year-old, still-emerging midfielder. Stone-faced, not a hint of emotion, and nowhere near a smile, he answered that what linked the two experiences was dealing with self-doubt. This title, nearly a quarter of a century later, had also given him credibility. Not in the eyes of others, though. That wasn't his meaning at all. Barcelona's manager, arguably Spain's greatest ever midfielder, twice world champion for his country in 1999 and then in 2010 with the senior national team, world champion with his club, serial trophy winner, definitely in the Blaugrana's all-time 11, young, talented, handsome, funny, still fitting into the same size of clothes as he did in 1999. Yeah, this man suffers from self-doubt just like anyone else, and he's brave enough to admit it. It costs me to believe in myself, he said, still with an immensely serious expression on his face. Now, I didn't begin to interview Chabi in depth until he'd become an absolute linchpin for his club, already a leader, a winner, settled in his preferred position and hugely successful. I think it would have been the summer of 2008 when we first had a long, interesting conversation. Then it took a little while to get to the confidence stage where he'd express his feelings about the times Barcelona made it clear he could leave if he wanted to, the times he found out about the club trying to transfer him behind his back, the times that the Camp Nou crowd would jeer and whistle him on as a substitute entering the pitch because they felt somehow that he was ousting Pep Guardiola in midfield and wasn't as good. Over time, Xavi could have left for Manchester United, AC Milan or Bayern Munich amongst others, but chose not to. The most startling thing I've heard him admit to was that when the then-manager Frank Rijkaard, a few years after that first La Liga title of 1999, asked him to play in the attacking right midfield position that became his own, where he became the best in the world, Chappie was frightened. He viewed the central midfield position, the pivote, as his safe, happy space. Chabi, in fact, told the Dutchman, I'm not sure I can do it. I'd rather not. Rijkaard, like all good coaches, stuck to his guns, pushed for the vision to be enacted, and effectively, the rest really is history. Two trophies before that positional change, 29 after it. The trouble was, then, that Chavi looked like the master and commander of all he surveyed. Not a shred of self-doubt was evident then or now. No matter the pressure of the moment, no matter his form, good or bad, no matter the mood of the crowd, no matter the tightness of the on-pitch situation or the risk, Chavi wanted the ball. 
He wanted to accept the pressure of running things, of taking risks in order to win. Pivotti was a position where, just like Sergio Busquets now, Chabi could influence the rhythm and tempo of play. But when he moved into attacking midfield, he played like a pivotti, but with hugely more creative and threatening responsibilities. He played as if he were occupying two positions at once, and the result was Spanish, European and world dominance for club and country. My point in emphasising this is to remind you how strange it is to understand that he was, and still is, someone who suffered from self-doubt. Most of the professional footballers who perform with Xavi's authority, clarity of purpose, match intelligence and hunger are, off the pitch, extremely self-assured, not to say haughty, and rarely exhibit, or certainly admit, any kind of need for other people to validate them, to award them legitimacy or credibility. So, cutting back to Sunday night in the Espanol post-match press conference, it was quite the admission from Xavi that this first real big win as a coach, no one should denigrate the seven trophies he lifted as coach of Al-Sad in Qatar, but equally that environment was nowhere near as testing and demanding as this. So this first real big win as a coach would reinforce his self-esteem. Now, there have been notable moments during his reign as Barca coach when he might well have felt like admitting self-doubt, but couldn't. The hammerings from Bayern Munich, the Europa League elimination against Eintracht Frankfurt last season, the 4-0 thrashing by Real Madrid at the Camp Nou in the Copa del Rey semi-final this season, that insipid performance in losing 1-0 to Inter Milan at San Siro in midwinter, and some of the 11 1-0 wins in La Liga, which, despite yielding 33 valuable points, were often dull, nervy and lacking authority. If indeed Xavi was then suffering from self-doubt, feeling like his credibility was on the line, if he was worrying that perhaps his players were somehow making it seem like they believed in his methods, but didn't really, then he did one hell of a good job in hiding it. In good times and in bad, since he took over in November 2021 with his club, his squad and the finances in horrific states, Chabi has been clear-cut, consistent, defiant, successful and has demonstrated the invaluable ability to take jarring setbacks on the chin, then come roaring back with nerve-settling explanations in public and a reinvigorating of his troops in private. You know, it's his absolute evangelical belief in what he's preaching and what it will bring that has convinced his players. Usman Dembele lives better, is more often fit, contributes better and frankly chose not to leave the club because Xavi got under his skin. Ronald Araujo has become more consistent, a better match reader, far better in distribution of the ball from the back, an expert in man-marking Real Madrid's Vinicius Jr. and the team's new out-and-out leader because Xavi inspired and convinced him to develop. Frenkie de Jong stayed principally because he never wanted to leave. But the Netherlands midfielder has long begun to play with more authority, to accept more responsibility, to push himself until he's downright exhausted and to show mature stubbornness until Barcelona win matches which are going against them 
because Chavi transmitted his evangelical footballing spirit to him. The list could go on. There's the maturing of 19-year-old left-back Alex Balde and 18-year-old midfielder Gavi. The former now harnesses his natural speed better and is more productive because he uses his vision and brain, not just his Formula One gearbox. The latter, Gavi, has had to adapt his position and play like half a forward and half a midfielder so that he can press ferociously. And he's done that while reducing the number of times he's booked or finds himself in a nose-to-nose confrontation with the rival or the referee. Both youngsters have been inspired by their professor, Xavi. There are more examples. Rafinha's defensive work rate, Pedri's finishing around the opposition penalty area, and the quality of his assist giving. Andreas Christensen's relearning of the central defensive role, and the requirement to play risky, creative passes out of defence. All these, and many more, are hallmarks of Xavi's first La Liga win as a coach, despite the fact, as he admitted on Sunday, that he'd been coping with the same internal monologue of Am I right? Can I pull this off? Which bedeviled his early playing career. There's an analytical argument which his agent should be running past him that having won two trophies in his first full season as Barcelona coach, remember, the Spanish Supercopa final win over Madrid was by far his team's best performance of this season, the argument runs that this might be a good moment to walk away and leave the crowd wanting more. This type of actuarial calculation includes the fact that there's still massive disruption behind the scenes. Investigations into whether Barcelona were influencing referees for the past two decades? Huge financial gymnastics needed simply to stay stable. Key transfer market guru Matteo Aleman leaving. A lack of clarity over whether Jordi Cruyff will stay or move to a less turbulent club. At least two seasons to be spent playing at Montjuic's unlovable Olympic Stadium instead of Camp Nou, while the latter is redeveloped. The potential return of Lionel Messi, who, genius aside, will be 36 in a month's time. And the list doesn't even stop there. Faced with all those obstacles to what happens next, some shrewd coaches would walk away, safe in the knowledge that absence will make the heart grow fonder. There would always be the chance for Xavi to return to Barcelona the way that Carlo Ancelotti and Zinedine Zidane did at Madrid. To return with the finances sorted, with the team back playing at Camp Nou, and with his generation of Araujo, Pedri, Gavi, Baldi nearing their prime. Remember, this is the guy who this season said that being the manager of the club he loves has brought him some of the worst days of his football life. That's a very big statement. Imagine having sorted the squad out, achieved an average crowd of 83,000 people at Camp Nou, getting the better of Madrid and winning Barcelona's first league title without Messi since 1999, and then, with a flourish, walking off the stage. You know that one of the most enduring commercial laws is that to reduce the supply of something popular increases demand and price. However, the clue to what happens next, most likely, is what Xavi, the 1999 title-winning player, did. He suffered, but didn't surrender. He and his teammates then entered a drought, during which they didn't win a single trophy between 1999 
and 2005. The club tried to push him out. Other major outfits tried to tempt him away. I stayed because this is my club and I'm stubborn as a mule, Chavi once told me. So the likelihood is that, self-doubt notwithstanding, that's his mindset now, stubbornness. If so, Barcelona really don't know how lucky they are. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.